Well, good morning, Celebration Church, all of our campuses, Green Bay, Appleton, Stevens Point. Can we all stand up together? And as we're standing at all of our locations, could we just put our hands together? Let's welcome all of our church family here this morning. Good to have you. One church, three different locations. And to those joining us online, good to have you here as well. Let's all join together. Let's say this. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's say this together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It is good to have everybody here today. Uh, my name is Bob, one of the pastors at the church. Uh, great to be with you uh, during this Christmas season, the opportunity to share. Uh, this morning, Pastor Mark and his son Phil, they are in Myanmar. In fact, they're probably getting on an airplane right now to head back to Green Bay. And uh, we had the opportunity to build the Deborah Ann Gunger Music Hall. They went there for a dedication. Really, really cool. Uh, so thank you, uh, everyone that really has uh, been supporting Pastor Mark during this time. I know him and his family are very, very grateful for everything that everyone's done and the support, the prayer that you've been there for him. We've got a little video to show you uh, the dedication and what you guys have been involved with. So let's take a look at that here this morning. Well, hello and greetings from Myanmar. Today uh, was the uh, anniversary of my Debbie's passing and we came to the uh, Love Children's Home, the orphanage that we help support uh, here in Myanmar from our church. And uh, it was... Uh, a special day. We, uh, as we pulled in, they had everybody all lined up <laughs> to greet us, like we were some great dignitaries or something. You look very nice. Yes, thanks. Hello. The other side. Then we went to the building. Uh, that is dedicated in Debbie's name, the Deborah Ann Gunger Music Hall. And uh, none of the kids apparently have been in it. They've been keeping it all hush-hushed and the doors locked and while well, they've been working on it. So uh, we sang a couple of songs uh, in the beginning as we gathered around the room and then, uh, or the building, and then uh, Peter, who runs the orphanage, and I, took up some scissors and cut the ribbon, and they handed me a key to unlock the chain that was holding in the doors, and then we opened up the doors, and all the kids rushed in, and, uh, and then we had a little service, uh, and uh, the kids were singing, and they were dancing, and uh, just one thing after another, it was exactly 
the kind of activity Debbie Gunger would have absolutely loved. She loved working with kids and singing and choreography and all those sorts of things. to speak. Uh, my son Phil spoke. Uh, they gave us some special sashes <laughs> to Marcus for the day. I don't know what that was all about. Uh, and then we got a tour around the, uh, the orphanage and stuff. Got a chance to hug so many of the kids. And uh, it was a really special day. It was uh, some tears, uh, wonderful reflection, but then just great joy to know that her legacy will continue uh, there in Myanmar as these children uh, will learn to sing and to dance and, and have their own room just for that uh, thing. I, I want to thank those of you who gave specially for this project to make this a reality. Uh, you've done a great thing and this is an incredible blessing to me and my family and most of all, of course, to these kids, and the kingdom of God. Anyway, uh, the Sunday, I will be speaking uh, at the uh, orphanage for their uh, Sunday morning service and spending the day with them and then hopping on a plane Sunday night and flying back to the States, so a pretty short trip for us. But uh, anyway, it was a, it was a very special day, uh, just remembering a very unforgettable woman. Father, you does things to me Never before Has someone been more Unforgettable In every way And forevermore That's how you'll stay That's why, darling It's incredible That someone so unforgettable Thinks that I am Unforgettable too
Christmas season, and for whatever reason, um, this time of year can be particularly hard for people, and it seems like a lot of challenging moments can <clears throat> kind of jump in around the holiday season, and today I want to talk a little bit about this time of year and the different stresses and challenges and exhaustion that we can face this time of year that, that is real, like we just got done seeing. And uh, you know what? Despite all of that, I love this time of year. Does anyone love this time of year, the Christmas, the holiday season? Love this time of year. Uh, my wife and I, I think we started playing Christmas music the day before Thanksgiving. Can anyone relate? Got the Christmas music playing. Uh, we've had the Hallmark channel on like 24-7. Any ladies got the Hallmark channel on? Yeah, the Hallmark Channel. I've discovered something about the Hallmark Channel Christmas movies, <clears throat> and it's this. The Christmas village that they have is the exact same Christmas village in every movie, is it not? And they've got the perfect, like, fluffy snow falling and all that stuff in every Hallmark movie. But I love this time of year, but this time of year can also be a little bit crazy. Uh, in three to four weeks, we're going to pack in all kinds of things. Like in three to four weeks, we will have more parties than what we will encounter the rest of the entire year, am I right? And that's just my wife's parties. Like the ladies know how to party during Christmas, right? They've got their parties, and uh, we're going to redecorate the inside of our homes, and if that wasn't enough, then we're going to go outside and redecorate the entire outside of our homes. Um, our kids will sing and they will perform, and then they will dance, and then they will sing, and then they will perform again. And if that wasn't enough, they're going to set up special things at the mall and at their schools, and all the parents and grandparents will run around after the kids, and it's awesome to see them singing. But it takes up time, and we do these things. Uh, we will consume as many calories in three weeks as we will consume in an entire three months, right? You got to love the Christmas cookies. Bring the Christmas cookies. We will eat them. Uh, we're going to entertain family. Uh, some of the family you love. 
some of the family you can't stand, but yet we're all going to come together and do this family thing during Christmas. Uh, you're going to go to Christmas Eve services, right? Like Celebration Church, you got to go to Christmas Eve, right? Like you don't want to miss those services. So you go to Christmas Eve services. All the procrastinators out there at all of our campuses, can I see a show of hands, procrastinators? Who still has Christmas presents to buy? Show of hands. Oh my goodness, look around the room, you procrastinators. Like we buy Christmas presents uh, and all the good movies come out this time of year, right? So we got to go see the movies and take the kids to the movies and see all the great Christmas movies that are on TV. And we do all of these things, but they can be a huge distraction this time of year. The other thing that it can do is it can make us just a little bit tired. And just talking through just a fraction of the list of what takes place during Christmas just exhausts me thinking about it. So what I'd like us to do at all of our locations, or if you're joining us at home online, can we all take a collective deep breath together? Let's do this. Inhale. And let it out. There you go. I've got the uh, Apple Watch. And every now and then, my Apple Watch, if I get stressed out or I'm exercising or something like that, it's going to tell me it's time to take a breath because breathing slowly for a minute could be really good for you right now. Does anyone have the Apple Watch and it tells you to breathe? Uh, my sister-in-law has the Apple Watch, and we discovered something about her stress. Uh, her Apple Watch will tell her to breathe when she's shopping. So apparently shopping just gets her blood pumping and she gets excited and now it's time for her to take a deep breath. So whatever it is that's distracting you, what I'm asking you to do is just lay it aside for just a moment, these few moments that we have together and uh, because this could be a turning point for your life because distractions and exhaustion don't just come during Christmas but it, it shows us what we encounter and these things can really deter us from where we should place our hope and then we so often misplace our hope into the wrong things and we place our hope in our jobs we place our hope in relationships we place our hope so often in our finances and in our health and maybe you find yourself here today at the end of 2018 maybe like the way you found yourself at the end of 2017 or year after year after year and you've got this resonating U2 song in your head that says I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And maybe you're here today and you still haven't found the hope. You still haven't found the peace. You still haven't found the joy that it is that you're looking for. And if you're like me and you got a short attention span, I'm going to give you three little Bible verses. And if you can't pay attention to the rest of the message, this is the point of the message. So three quick verses. I'm going to give you a hint and then I'll walk through the message. But here it is. Psalm chapter 121, verses 1 and 2. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? The psalmist says, no, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If we look to the things that God created as our source of hope, we are going to be forever disappointed. Our source of hope comes from the one. Here's the incredible news. Our hope comes from the one who made it all. The one who can do anything, perform any miracle, accomplish anything that is trustworthy. You can put your hope in God who created all of these things. It says it this way in Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, this verse says that this God is filled with joy. This God delivers peace. That this God, that if your belief and your trust and your hope is in him, that you could overflow with it and check this out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like it's beyond anything that makes any kind of sense. Psalm chapter 42, verse 11. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? If anyone can maybe relate to that, you feel downcast, you feel disturbed. You're facing a situation in your life that's challenging, and it can be disturbing, and it can be downcasting. So he has to remind himself of this over and over again. You see it throughout the scriptures that you've got to remind yourself because human nature wants to go back. But he says this, reminds himself. Put the verse back up. It says, put your hope in God. For I yet will praise him, my Savior and my God. Remind yourself that the hope that you need, the hope that you're looking for, the peace and the joy that passes understanding comes when you put your hope in God. We are here at the Christmas season, and at Christmas we remember that it's God that sent his son Jesus to break into this world, to push back on the dark places so that there could be light. The Bible calls him the Prince of Peace. And today, that Prince of Peace is here for you, that if you would lean into him, you could encounter hope this Christmas season. And yet, so many of us encounter hopelessness. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the best present that you could unwrap from underneath that tree isn't the present that someone put under there for you, but the best thing that you could unwrap, the best gift you could receive this Christmas is Jesus Christ, the one who offers you peace, the one who offers you hope. And if you go and you just do a simple reading of the first three books in the New Testament, It's the story of Jesus, and it's the story of Jesus breaking into our world. And this Jesus, this morning, maybe you're here today and you're amongst a bunch of us that have put your hope in him. This Jesus that we've put our hope in, he comes and he begins performing all these miracles. The Bible says he performed so many things, he did so many miracles that the world doesn't have enough space to contain all the books if they were written about Jesus. We serve a God of miracles that can do anything. And so many of these miracles were instantaneous miracles. And I would love the instantaneous miracles, right? Like we would all love that. And I have been in places, I've been in circumstances, I've encountered a lot of things in my life where I would love the instantaneous miracle. I would love to wake up tomorrow and everything is okay. The instantaneous miracle. And we live in a world that's like that. And in fact, Western thinking has programmed us to think, I want the instant miracle. But today, I want to talk about what happens when the answer comes in stages. What happens when Jesus doesn't heal you immediately? How do you handle it when your miracle takes place in stages? See, we we are people that want answers. We want everything fixed. We want instant results. I mean, sign me up for Botox. Is anyone with me? Get me an appointment for liposuction. Like, let's take care of this thing right here, right now, and move on from the fat, right? 
We want instant results. And also, sign me up for the quarter pounder of cheese and french fries from McDonald's. And in fact, I don't want to wait in the drive-thru line. I want to order it from the app. Has anyone ordered a quarter pounder from the app? Can I see your hand? And nobody will admit it in the room. (laughs) Nobody wants to admit to the quarter pounder of cheese with the app. But we want instant results. But here's the thing. God is more interested in doing something great inside of you and in developing your faith. And he wants to develop your character than he is in just changing your circumstances. And here's the thrilling thing. And it doesn't sound so thrilling when you don't get the instant answer. It can be discouraging at times, but here's the thrilling thing about it. When we are in that space where the answer is coming in stages, God begins to do more than you could ever imagine. And this morning, I want to look at a simple story in the book of Mark, chapter 8, that talks about a miracle that came in stages. Mark, chapter 8, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes, he put his hands on him. And Jesus asked, do you see anything? The man looked up and he said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Go a different way. So four things I want to point out from this story that can encourage us here today when the answer is coming in stages. Number one, this man didn't go to Jesus on his own. This man was blind. He could not see. I'm guessing his faith wasn't there that he could see. Maybe he had just a small little piece of hope that he was holding on to. Small little piece of faith. But he had people that surrounded him that believed. And those people grabbed him and they led him to Jesus. They helped him take next steps. And one of the keys to finding freedom in your life is that you can't do it alone. It gets too discouraging. It gets too hard. And you need others around you that are going to be a support system for you that are going to bring you to Jesus. If you're going to encounter healing, if you're going to encounter freedom, you need to be surrounded by other people that are going to lead you to him. And that's why at Celebration Church, we are so serious about small groups because you need to be surrounded with people that can help you take some next steps. Number one, people brought him to Jesus. Number two, Jesus takes the man by the hand and he begins to walk with him. Now, Jesus could have healed the man in an instant. He had healed many others before in an instant. He had done it so many times. But with this blind man, Jesus wanted to do the miracle in stages. And I've discovered something, that that's how God typically wants to work in your life. God isn't typically interested in the instant miracle. So often, God is interested in working in your life in stages, And I've discovered that when God works in stages, that means that he wants to do something greater than the miracle it is that you need. I'll say that one more time. When Jesus does something in stages, that means he is more interested in doing something in your life than the miracle is that you need. So Jesus and this blind man, they begin to walk. 
And they begin to talk and they begin to do this life together. And so often where we get it wrong is we all want the healing. We just don't want to walk with Jesus. But Jesus and the blind man, they begin to walk. And Jesus begins to lead them somewhere. He begins to take them out of the city. He begins to take them out of this particular circumstance. And Jesus wanted to do something greater than the miracle in this man's life. He wanted to build his faith. He wanted to build his character. And so the blind man, he does it. He begins to walk with Jesus. So how is it that those of us that are gathered here today that would say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe in him, how is it that we aren't encountering the joy and peace that it is that you need to answer? And I think that it's found right here in this nativity scene. This nativity scene is like a picture of your life. And I think for so many of us, the nativity scene of our life just doesn't look like this. Things are out of order. And instead of Jesus, little, little baby Jesus here, instead of little baby Jesus, and I love nativity scenes now. I, I, I used to not like nativity scenes. Um, I used to think they looked kind of lame, but I live in this really old neighborhood, and now all my neighbors have these like old, vintage, huge nativity scenes in their yard, and I think they're like really cool. I want to get one, but I don't think my wife would agree. But... So oftentimes, Jesus, instead of being right here in the middle, Jesus, he's just chilling kind of over here off to the side. And he's still in the picture, he's still in the scene, but he's not in the center. He's been, he's been just kind of dusted off over here to the side. He's been marginalized. And I think for many of us, this looks like the nativity scene of our lives. And, and there's different things that get into the center. And one of them is, is this guy right here, and this is the shepherd. The shepherd signifies work. And so for so many of us, this is what jumps into the center of our life. And here's the deal. When these guys showed up at the manger, they interrupted this guy's work life, right? Like this guy is the shepherd. He's responsible for taking care of the manger. So he gets an interruption in his work day when they show up unannounced. And he's got a decision to make, and, and, and he's had his day interrupted. And the decision he had to make wasn't to stop working and just go follow Jesus. No, the decision was, am I going to take my job and build my life around it, or am I going to take my career and build it around Jesus? And sometimes we so often get ourselves thinking, you know, when I finally get the raise, then I can go all in for Jesus, then I can do everything right. You know, when I finally get that promotion, that, then I can go all in, then I can get everything in the right order. When, when the company is finally financially independent, when I'm financially stable, when, when we can finally franchise the company, and, and when I'm not so busy in college, then I can get all this stuff in the right order. And can I tell you something? This is the one that I've struggled with most often in my life. And you get this thing into the wrong place, and it sounds like the dumbest thing on the planet for me because my J-O-B job is pastor. Like my job is to get people all fired up about Jesus and I love it. And yet somehow, even though that's my job, Jesus can just get dusted off here to the side. And it can be a facade and he can be pushed off over here. And instead of Jesus having his rightful place, we just push him off over here. And I've asked the question, God, where are you? So if you're going to get Jesus into the center, <clears throat> the answer's simple. you got to start walking with Jesus like the blind man. You've got to get him into the everyday of your life. 
I'm not saying quit your job. I'm saying it's got to be in its rightful place. Here's another one. The wise men. The wise men represent money. They represent things like pride. They represent the things of this world. We say things like, when I have this, when I finally have that, if I can just get the next thing, like if I could just finally have an iPhone that doesn't have a button, then everything would have joy and peace in my life. Some of us, it's not the wise men with these things that distract us. Some of us, this sounds a little bit weird. It's, this, uh, it's the cow and the, the goat over here. How many dog lovers do we have out there, dog lovers? At all of our campuses, yeah, we got dog lovers. Any cat lovers out there? Jesus loves you too. <laughs> and that lady just scowled at me, and I don't think that's very nice. <laughs> I'm allergic to cats, so I'm allowed to hate them. Uh, but sometimes it's these things. And let's just say that this represents the things that we love. It's not your dog and your cat, although some of you love your dog more than your kids. But this represents things like hobbies or vacations, the lake house, that, that trip we've got to take, that 250-inch TV that's got to be in my living room this Christmas. And these things that are not eternal can easily become the focus and distract us from who God really is. And if, if these things are in the wrong place, you're never going to encounter joy. Just do a cursory reading of People magazine, and the people that look like they have it all are miserable. So... We've got to get Jesus into the center. If we're going to get the picture right, we've got to get Jesus into the center. Some of us, it looks like this, and it even looks like the right thing. We say family first, right? Family first. If I can put family first, everything's going to be okay. And listen, man, it is good to, to, to love people. It is good to trust those around you, but you cannot build your faith on them because what happens is we live in a fallen world, and when these things begin to disappoint you can so often lose your faith. And the reason why so many of us struggle to get Jesus into the center is because we simply don't have a relationship with him. But this is the perspective that we've got to have in our lives. We've got to get Jesus back into the center. In fact, we're getting ready to have 21 days of prayer in the new year. It would be a great way to say, God, I need to put you first in my life. And maybe you're here today and God doesn't have his rightful place. You can fix a lot of this just by inviting Jesus in. Listen, he is not going to push his way in. You've got to invite him in. And here's the deal. When you bring him in, it doesn't mean you have a problem-free life. Jesus said, in this world, we will have trouble. But when you begin to walk with Jesus like the blind man, God will do something greater in your life than the miracle it is that you're waiting to receive. This morning, God is saying to you, Jesus is saying, I've been wanting to walk with you. I've been wanting to talk with you. I've been wanting to show you things that need to change, but you let go of my hands. But if you, this morning, will hold on to Jesus, he, bless you, Jesus is going to lead you places. Jesus is going to grab you by the hand, and if you just begin to walk with Jesus, he's going to lead you somewhere. And God wants to do something incredible in your life. God wants to heal you. God wants to give you joy. God wants to give you peace. So hold on to Jesus. That's all point number two. And most of the time, when the healing comes in stages, it's because Jesus is trying to get our attention. The blind man first gets led out of the village instead of an instant healing. And then Jesus spits on the man's eyes. And then he asks him a question. He said, can you see? And he said, I can't really see. It's still dim. It looks like, it looks like 
men, but they appear to be like trees walking around. And I wonder how many of us have walked away from Jesus the moment before he's about to touch you and heal you because you become discouraged because the initial thing doesn't bring clarity of sight. How many have walked away before the miracle comes? And when we walk away, we walk away from the work that God wants to do. So number three, don't walk away from the miracle before God wants to complete it. So Jesus touches them once again. And the moment he touches them, his sight is restored. And Jesus tells them, don't go back into the city, but go a different way. And so often we're tempted to keep looking back. When we're going through something, we want to look back and go back to this place. But Jesus says, don't turn around. Don't go back the way you came, but go a different way. So number four, and as all of our bands come out and begin to play, number four, you've got to go a different way. And you can't keep looking back. So this man, number one, had faith and friends that led him to Jesus. Number two, he learned to walk with Jesus, and he learned to grab onto Jesus' hand, and he learned how to daily do life with God. Number three, he let Jesus do his work with the hope he placed in Jesus. He didn't walk away from him when the miracle didn't come in stages, and it came in these different parts and these different components, but not instantly. He held on to Jesus. And number four, he didn't go back but he walked a different way. Maybe you're here today and you need a breakthrough in your life. Maybe you're here today and you need mercy. I'm here today to tell you to start walking with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need direction. I'm here today to say walk with Jesus. You may need healing in your physical body. Walk with Jesus. Jesus. You may need healing in different areas. You may need restoration. Walk with Jesus. As I close, as all the bands begin to play, I want to read this psalm to you. Psalm chapter 139 says, Oh Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me, and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even darkness, even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all of the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you 
for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting. If you're here today and you need a touch from Jesus, you're here and you want to walk with Jesus, you want to talk with Jesus, maybe you've walked with Jesus in the past, but you've let go of his hand, and you've lost hope, and you've placed it in the wrong places, and you've walked away. I want to tell you, and I want you to know that Jesus, no matter where you're at today, He's standing here with his arms wide open. Jesus' arms are wide, and he's ready for you to walk with him right now. The greatest gift you could receive this Christmas season is Jesus. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, that's what I want to pray over you today. And if that's you, and you would say, I've walked away from Jesus but I want to walk with him, this prayer is for you. Would you just close your eyes as I pray this over you? God, I've tasted your goodness. It has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. God, I want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made thirsty and more thirsty still. Show me your glory. I pray so that I may know you more. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow you up from the misty lowland where I've wandered so long. In Jesus' name, amen. And as you still have your eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to God. This moment could be the moment that you grab onto Jesus' hand for the very first time. Would you just repeat this prayer with me? And if this is you, take this step of faith. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.